0: For Enhanced, I very quickly started showing that to Critique Partners. And I think that's what made Enhanced ready for me to sign a book contract. I just learned so much through Critique Partners. Through critiquing their work, you know, you you point out all these things and then you realize, oh, I need to take the plank out of my own
1: eye, I'm doing that same thing. We'll talk about this and much more today. Welcome to A Writer's Day Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to A Writer's Day Podcast. I'm happy to have you here. My name is Ruth Douthit and I'm an award-winning multi-published author and I'm glad to have you here where we talk with award-winning, best-selling authors about their books and their writing journeys to encourage you forward on your writing journey. April was a busy month but also a heartbreaking month for me personally as I said goodbye to my father who passed away from cancer but I rest in knowing that I will see him again in glory. And I just wanted to thank many of you who reached out to me after reading my newsletter where I explained about how busy I was in April dealing with my father's illness and his passing. Thank you so much for your kind words and emails and your kind thoughts and prayers. It really means a lot to me. My family and I are healing, We're going forward on our personal grief journeys, and uh, we thank God that he is with us, getting us through these hard times. And I'm happy to announce that my next book, The Doors of Rome, releases May 30th. I have my launch team put together. They are busy reading the book and we will start reviewing it and posting on social media very soon. And my launch party will be next month where we will talk with other writers of this genre and we'll talk about Rome and Italian food. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I hope that you can join me. Stay tuned in my next newsletter. I'll be writing up more information about that. And my husband and I are busy working on our next collaboration in a children's picture book called Little Puffs of Clouds. Looking forward to having that released in July. And I am currently working on the first draft of my next book, book four in the Elves of Volgard series, Dragon Sword. Ooh, I can hardly wait for you to read this story. I'm also going to be illustrating this because I love to draw dragons. So stay tuned for the launch party of that book, where I will be talking with other authors of their fantasy stories, and I'll also be drawing dragons. And on the podcast, I'm excited because coming up, I'll be talking with James Hannibal about his book, Fair Knight, Kristen Mapes about his many stories, and of course, Rachel Houck about her new book, The Best Summer of Our Lives. So how exciting is that? A lot of fun things coming up on a writer's day podcast, but today I'm excited to be speaking with Candace Cade about her debut novel, Enhanced, which released in March from Enclave Publishing. So you know the drill, grab your favorite beverage, a comfortable chair, kick back and relax as we listen to Candace Cade talk about this amazing story. Hi everyone, welcome back to a Writer's Day podcast. And today we're in for a real treat because we have YA author candace Kate here to talk to us about her debut book Enhanced. Welcome candace Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well I'm thrilled to have you here because first of all, I'm an artist and I have a eye. For book covers, and your book cover is the first thing I noticed when I was on Instagram. <laughs> the, uh, about a month or so ago, I went, whoa, what is this? And so I was immediately drawn to it. And I think that's when I reached out to you on Instagram and said, hey, would you like to go on my podcast? So the cover of your book is just beautiful. I uh, Enclave does a great job over there. They really do.
0: They do. I love my cover too, but definitely can't take credit for that. That is a Kirk cover, oh, and yes. yes, he did a fantastic job. He did let me sneak some Easter eggs in the cover, but <gasps> apart
1: from that, I didn't have any say in the cover. Whatever. <laughs> I look forward to hearing about those, great. Well, why don't you start off by telling my listeners a little bit about yourself, and then we'll talk about this amazing book.
0: Sure, so I was born in Cleveland, that's where I'm originally from, but at the age of four, my parents moved from Ohio to China, And I pretty much grew up in China until the age of 18. And I went to Chinese school part-time, and I was homeschooled part-time. And it was in my homeschooling time that my mom was tasked with teaching me English, reading and writing. I had a pretty hard start. I'm a very stubborn person. I was convinced I did not need to know how to read or write. (laughs) So much so, I actually made a promise to my mom saying, I will never need to know how to read or write. Thankfully (laughs) my mom persevered in teaching me and finally you know she broke my will and I I caved in and I learned and then after that though I just fell in love with reading and writing and it was actually in high school that I started seriously writing and working on my first novel uh, epic fantasy. I kept working on that fantasy novel even as I moved back to the U.S. and attended college and grad school and Even as I started my first job, you know, it took me over 10 years to finish that first fantasy novel. And around that time, you know, I was working and my company sent me back to China on a relocation assignment. That's actually where I had a chance to write Enhanced. And then I came back to the U.S. right around COVID and got married. And then had two COVID babies. Um, One is a sweet little one-year-old son who is absolutely adorable and just learning how to walk. And then one is my book baby, Enhanced. So (laughs) both of those came from COVID. Um, And then currently, you know, I live in Austin. In addition to my wonderful husband and son, I do not have any pets, sadly. Um, But we do have a couple of bunnies in our backyard that live under our porch. So I I count them as my pets because we travel too much currently to...
1: Actually, have <laughs> any pets. <laughs> oh wow. What a story. That is fascinating. From America to China to back to America. Amazing. How did you um handle the change in culture? Not, not only just the language, but the culture. How did you handle that?
0: Yeah. So there's actually way more moves in between that. That was the uh, short and condensed version, the clip notes version. <laughs> but yeah, lots of moves. I think as a child, I didn't even know any better. Um, It was just something we did, you know, every couple of years, we might move back to the States or a different part of China or a different part of the US. And it was just very normal. It was what we did. And so I didn't know any better. And then as an adult, I think there was some reverse culture shock for sure, as I came back from Beijing to the US. Um, But thankfully, I have a lot of international friends, you know, my parents have lived internationally. So I was able to just chat with them and say, is this reverse culture shock? What is this feeling? (laughs) And so I had a very supportive community. Um, But yeah, I just I love China and America. And so, yeah, sometimes it's a strange sort of surreal experience jumping between worlds. It reminds me very much of Narnia, you know, when Lucy and the children, they're all in the train station and they come back from this epic journey in Narnia and suddenly they're just back in London and their old lives resume. And sometimes that's kind of how it feels. You know, you have this whole life in this other country and you go on adventures and then you come back and the other country and your friends are all just where you left them. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very strange experience, but also a really incredible one.
1: Hmm, That's a great analogy, a great way for us to kind of think about how you are handling it, that shock of going from one culture like Narnia into the mundane, the usual.
0: (laughs) Well, I wouldn't say one of them is mundane and the other one's adventurous. Both have their mundane parts. Both have their adventures. I bet.
1: Now, did you find that all those different settings of your own life story affected the settings of your characters as you would write your stories? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
0: my fantasy novel, which is on the back burner right now, but that was very much written when I was in Joe's I Go, which is um, the mountains, it's in the mountains of Sichuan. And they have this beautiful park there with this, these waterfalls and bright turquoise water And that's actually where I outlined a lot of my fantasy novel. I was very much inspired by Mm -hmm. the land there. And then for Enhanced, you know, I was living in Beijing, surrounded by all this, um, you know, modern architecture, but then also a lot of the old China was still there. um, And some of it made um, its way into Enhanced. And then even with my contemporary series, which is also currently on the back burner, being under deadline, um, (laughs) puts a lot of things on the back burner, Mm -hmm. but, you know, my contemporary series series is very much based off of my travels and so there's a lot of international settings from that as well
1: Mm, neat can hardly wait to read those I always tell writers uh, you know people who who are learning the craft to really take into consideration the setting of their story because like with our lives where we lived throughout our entire lives has made us who we are today and that's how it should be with your characters too
0: Right. You are absolutely. an excellent.
1: Yeah, you're an excellent example of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, fun. So, now tell us about the Hybrid Series and your first book, Enhanced.
0: Yes, I'm so excited. So, Enhanced is the first in the Hybrid Series, which is a YA sci fi series. And I will say it's not a space opera or military fiction, but it's more of a near future. So it's closer to dystopian. So those of you who may be nervous about reading sci-fi, it's much closer to dystopian. Um, But it's set in the Asian Federation in the year 2123, when everyone has genetic enhancements, or at least everyone who can afford them. And so society is split into two different groups. There's those who've been genetically modified, and you know some of them are aquas. They're able to breathe underwater. Others are inceptors. They're able to read microfacial expressions and almost read people mind, people's minds in a way. And then there's everyone else who was born naturally without any genetic enhancements, and they're at a disadvantage. And so everyone who's born naturally lives in the outskirts where there's pollution, there's no good jobs. Really the only jobs are the AI factory jobs. And the story is following our protagonist, Lee Urban, who was born a natural, but then adopted into the enhanced society Mm. by this very wealthy family. And she has to hide her lack of genetic enhancements, which becomes more difficult as she goes to Peking University, which is really the elite university. And she's targeted by this mysterious hacker. And, you know, what even makes us harder is that in the society, there's what's called a SOCH, or a social credit system, and everyone has a number. And for Urban, a lot of her dreams and hopes of becoming an artist rests on getting a really high number. So as a natural, she wants to hide and fly under the radar, not attract any attention. But then in order to get a high so, she needs to sort of schmooze with the right people, go to events, maybe race in some motorcycle races. I don't know, I won't I won't give any hints away. <laughs> um, but she has to do all these more dangerous activities that could reveal her lack of genetic enhancements. And so it's really a story about family and urban discovering who she is, all while all with a lot of genetic enhancements and AI and hackers and tech thrown in.
1: Oh, that is too cool. Now how I I see that a lot of it mirrors what's going on in real life today. What was your inspiration for this type of story? My goodness. Yeah,
0: so a couple of things. One, like I said, was the setting, but then another piece of it was just learning about CRISPR gene editing technology. And that's something that exists today, but we're really just on the forefront of that. And so CRISPR, um, for those who aren't familiar, is a technology that allows scientists to actually go into a gene and take out some DNA um, or in the DNA go in and take out a gene and replace it with new DNA. And so currently they're using it for helping patients who have cancer, um, who have sickle cell anemia. But um, there's really an ethical debate raging in the scientific community even now, as they begin to push the boundaries of what's possible and to see if they can do it in vitro. And there has been allegedly one case where that has happened. Um, but we're looking at, you know, we could select our children's eye color, or we could select their genetics through CRISPR. Mm, and that's so, creepy. yeah, it's so <laughs> crazy. And when I first heard about that, I just couldn't stop thinking about if this takes off and everyone were to select the genes for their children, what would our world look like? And so that's really the question that Enhanced is based off of, which is if CRISPR gene editing technology or really any gene editing technology were to take off a hundred years into the future, what would our world look like? And so that's really what inspired a lot of Enhanced.
1: Mm, You're right. I could definitely see those with um, a lot of money being the ones who are able to take advantage of that technology. And those who don't are kind of just tossed aside. I could definitely see it as a battle of the classes.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I think it just makes the divide so much worse if it's, you know, only those who can afford it are able to enhance their children, give them better immune systems, stronger bones, you know, better, um, even intelligence, like that's something potentially you could target. Um, then everyone else is going to be at a disadvantage.
1: Wow. That is such a unique storyline. I love it. Now, how did you get into the YA sci-fi? I mean, because you had written an epic Uh, fantasy. So what made you do this genre? That is an excellent
0: question. I'm not even sure I know. (laughs) I don't even think I knew I was writing sci-fi until I finished, which is why I say, again, it's not your typical sci-fi. You know, it's not set in space at all, Um, but it's more your near future Um, but yeah, I thought I was always going to write fantasy. Fantasy was what I loved. And then ever since I heard about CRISPR, I knew I had to write about that and that was going to be a futuristic novel, but yeah, it didn't even cross my mind that it was sci-fi till I was almost done. And then I was like, oh yeah, this, Mm -hmm. this is sci-fi. How did I deviate from fantasy? Mm -hmm. But I will say a lot of people who have read it say it does read very much like a fantasy novel. There's a lot of fantasy-esque aspects to it so it's still it's still a little bit like a fantasy novel but yes I I don't know how I ended up writing sci-fi is the is the answer
1: that's really neat the sci-fi dystopian type of storyline that's really cool I think YA readers are gonna love that tell us about your main character again and who or what in inspired you to craft her the way you did
0: so, my main character is Lee Urban, and she's different than any character I've written before because. So, little backstory on me. I love sports. I grew mm-hmm. up playing all the sports. Um, I love martial arts. When I was in Beijing, I got to do um, Brazilian jiu jitsu. I used to be obsessed with Krav Maga until I injured myself one too many times. Um, so, I tend to be the person who writes a very strong female character, mm-hmm. physically. You know, she's very. Um, she loves martial arts. She, um, you know, loves all these different activities. And so, I wanted to branch away from what is so natural. For me to write. And I wanted to show a character who is strong, but in different ways. And so, Lee Urban in the book, she actually has to take uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Her parents force her to, and she's very unhappy about it. She does not want to take Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Mm -hmm. And so, for me, it was fun to write a character that was very different from me, um, but who was strong in a different way than I had written before. Um, And also, you know, she was very loosely based off of one of my old roommates and dear friend, um, Priscilla Lee, who is just so funny and so talented and just such a strong woman. And, um, you know, the Lee Urban that I I have in my book is totally different, but it was initially inspired by her and just what an incredible woman she is Mm. and just the strength that she displays.
1: I love hearing how authors come up with their characters. That's so cool that you did it that way. (laughs) So it was so fun. like you, but yet not like you. A little bit like your friend, but not exactly like your friend. <laughs>
0: right, exactly. It was so fun.
1: So what can we expect next from Candace Cade? So you can expect
0: next book two in the series, which will be launching next March. Wow. And then book three the following March. And then after that, who knows? I could Woo-hoo. go back to fantasy. I could write another sci-fi. I might go back to my contemporary. Who knows?
1: Okay. That's great. Well, I know your fans are definitely looking forward to book two. Now, imagine you have a writer in front of you who is starting on his or her journey and they're listening to you and they're like, wow, that's an amazing story, but I'm really struggling because this writing journey hasn't turned out like I thought it would be. I thought I would write a book, get an agent, get a publisher, have it sell, and be number one bestselling. But it hasn't happened yet. So I'm thinking about giving up. What words of encouragement would you have for that writer? Don't give
0: up. (laughs) First of all, don't give up. But yeah, it's such a long journey. And it is hard. But I think some practical advice I would give some advice that I wish I had heard a long time ago. First of all, I would just say find critique partners. Um, for my fantasy novel, I didn't have any critique partners and it took me about 10 years to write it. And the only people that saw it were a couple of friends and family and family members. And for Enhanced, I very quickly started showing that to critique partners. And I think I ran it past around eight or nine critique partners before I even pitched it to a variety of different publishers. And I think that's what made Enhanced Ready um, for me to sign a book contract, my fantasy novel is not there because it has not <laughs> it has not been run past critique partners. And also, I just learned so much through critique partners, through critiquing their work. You know, you you point out all these things, and then you realize, oh, I need to take the plank out of my own eye. I'm doing that same thing. <laughs> so even when you're critiquing other people's works, you really learn so much about how you're making the same mistakes. And then also just having critique partners point out different parts of your story that are working or aren't, or even just sentence structure, common mistakes you have, or ways to eliminate passive voice or strengthen your writing. I just grew so much. And so I'm so grateful for my critique partners. So I would say definitely find critique partners sooner rather than later I would also say find community. Again, the fantasy novel, I did that 10 plus years alone. And I think, Ruth, what you were saying of, you know, people wanting to give up, that was very much me. I was Mm -hmm. very close to giving up because I was pretty much alone. I did not have a writing community. I did not have critique partners. It felt like this crazy dream that was taking way too long and it wasn't materializing. And I really, you know, I thought I might give up. With Enhanced, it was right around, right when I started editing, it was right around when I started meeting other writers and actually for the first time going to conferences and joining Zoom groups. And I realized conferences are expensive. I know we cannot all go to conferences, but there are a lot of free options. You know, I was able to join an amazing mastermind here in Austin because I showed up to a random writers meetup. I found a couple of ones that were local and I didn't know anyone, but I just showed up, you know, which can be scary for a lot of us introverted writers, but I'm so glad I did. You know, I made friends and now I'm a part of this mastermind. And so there are other cheaper options too, but I would say regardless of how you go about it, definitely find community. Because it is a long journey, usually. And even if it's a short journey, if it's a short journey, you're especially going to need community because you're going to want other people's feedback on you know, your agent. Are they reputable? Is this normal process for... You know, reaching out to different publishers, or, you know, there's just so many questions that even after I have the book deal, I still have, right? About the publishing process, about marketing. There's just so many questions. And if you don't have community, you don't really have anywhere except Google to turn to. And Google is helpful sometimes, but Google's not very inspirational. So it'll be a lot more fun, a lot more inspirational with community. And then the last piece of just tactical or practical advice I would give. Is and this piece of advice is only for people who have finished their novel. If you have not finished your first novel, keep going. Don't give up. If you have finished your first novel, I would say keep or take take breaks occasionally. And what I mean by this is, for me, I was determined to publish that first novel, and so I just kept writing it and rewriting it and writing it and rewriting it and not showing it to anyone and not taking a break. And now what I do is for my writing process, I will um, sprint. I'll get out a rough draft really fast, but then I'll shelve it for six months and then I'll come back to it. Um, and during those six months I'm writing, but I'm writing something else. And then after six months, I'll come back to it and then I'll be able to see it with a fresh set of eyes. So if you have written that first novel, you know, instead of just continuing to try so hard to get it perfect, maybe just take a break, take a step back from it, work on a different book and then come back. So those would be the the pieces of practical advice I would give is just find a critique partner or partners, definitely build community. And then if you finish a novel, take a break and work on something else and come back to it and that's okay.
1: Mm. That's great advice and very true because with a critique, it's not easy. You have to develop a thick skin, but you're so right. That's what you learn. People are seeing your words and giving you great advice on what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. It does sting a little bit, but you know what? It makes you a better writer. And so many other authors on this podcast have said that too about community. And we authors sometimes tend to be these introverted loners and when we think community we're like what no I don't want to go talk to people mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but you are so right we, yeah it's a one-on-one it's a one-time thing where you're sitting in front of your computer and you're writing your book it's just you and your story but you have to reach out to community and get to know people uh, that's how I got to know you that's how I'm getting to know all these other authors I went outside my comfort zone and Contacted strangers on social media, but I'm learning so much just from, from reaching out. So that's excellent advice. I, I can't agree more. Well, Candace Kate, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to meet with me and encourage my listeners and tell us about your book. I'm so excited for you that it's doing so well. And we definitely look forward to the next book in the hybrid series. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Well, wasn't that great to listen to Candace talk about her book? I mean, think about it. It's so appropriate for today. It's about the things that we're dealing with in the world today. And I loved how she was willing to give up her career to pursue writing full-time. That really is admirable. I, I admire her so much for that. I hope that you've been encouraged to keep going on your writing journey always going forward one step at a time. It isn't easy. But if you persevere and endure, it can happen for you. So be sure and write something every day. Always practice, learn the writing craft and continue to listen to podcasts like mine, where you will be motivated and encouraged to keep going. And until next time, God bless.